Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Talk Show. All right, and happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio, hard-hitting news. The network refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for February the 27th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth using the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. Wow, there's so much to discuss. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. With me, welcome, sir. Glad to be with you, Sam. It's always good to be with you. My goodness. Thank you, sir. By the way, two quick things before we get to the topics that you brought to the table. First one is, did you know that we've been expanded? Uh, our radio program is now two hours uh, on uh, Brighteon Radio. We used to just have one hour on Brighteon, uh, but now they've taken both hours. So that's fantastic news, and we welcome their listenership, sir. That is wonderful. Yes, welcome, all you new wonderful listeners. We appreciate your interest. Thank you. Mike Lindell suing... Kevin McCarthy, because he says, hey, you can't just give this information to Tucker and Fox. you got to let everybody see it, man. That's what you promised. So Lindell going to be suing uh, Speaker McCarthy. What do you say to that? Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably a good thing. Anytime we can extract more information out of these yahoos, probably a good thing. All right. I don't know if you heard about the explosive testimony provided by Jackie Berger at the Senate elections and uh House Municipal Oversight and Elections Joint Meeting accuses Hobbs, Fontes, Runbeck, and judges of racketeering in Arizona. Um, basically, she claims uh, in her uh, evidence and in her uh, testimony that Mesa, Arizona is now run by the Mexican Sinaloa drug cartels, including the Elections Board, the police departments, the prosecutors, and the judges. And in Mesa, the DA now will make up false charges to prosecute anybody who speaks out or doesn't go along. She names names, places, dates, everything. That was huge uh, in Arizona in a meeting last Thursday. We had on last hour Rachel Alexander, incredible journalist. She calls herself a recovering attorney. <laughs> anyway, she uh, reported on all the, all the details. Are you caught up on this law? And what do you have to say to that? Mesa, Arizona, controlled completely by the drug cartels. Yeah, you know, I listened to that yesterday, and, I, and uh, the whole thing. Yeah, I listened to it, and, and I was dumbstruck by all of the information and allegations she put together. She said there's, for the past four years, uh, her team has been acquiring and aggregating this, you know, information. Uh, her team was between five and ten people, you know, at various times over those four years. And uh, that's an incredible amount of information to gather and now to disclose. I mean, it truly is explosive information. Um, the, I was su pleasantly surprised that the uh, committee let her uh, make her report, you know, to, to go on so long. I think she spent like 45 minutes uh, making her report to the, to the committee. And uh, there, there were times when the committee says, you know, you need to bring her back in and talk just about how your findings relate to the election results because she was getting a little far afield when she was talking about the you know the false mortgages and the false deeds and 
and so forth like that. But um, it, yes it and no, fun. I understand the point. But at the same time, I say this is how the corruption happens, though. It's so far afield. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to connect all the dots until you connect the dots of the laundering the money, until you connect the dots of the false signatures, and connect, until you connect the dots of um, then how these politicians have had these things happen uh, in their uh, situations and in their lives, enriching them, giving them authority and power that they ought not have, putting them in positions they ought not be in. Until you build that groundwork, though, it's hard to put the dots together and understand. If she just walked in and said, hey, there's election fraud, and I know it because there's a bunch of stuff behind the scenes that back it up and document the reality of the money laundering and everything else, but there's election fraud, everybody would say, see, there's no evidence. But then you provide right. all the evidence and they say, hey, you're going way out in the weeds there. Uh, you can't bring all this evidence to the table. We just want to talk about elections. And my response is you can't do either extreme. You've got to right. double down and document, look, they're laundering money through these illegal mortgage transactions. They're literally putting money in the hands of a few people, and they are using that then to manipulate all kinds of databases to manipulate elections. It's money. It's manipulation of data, and it's all happening through these supposedly unrelated issues. I mean, when did you think that the Sinaloa drug cartel would be using title companies and it would eventually affect elections? You see, folks, you can't document it, so they can't, they'll claim no evidence. But you can't document it unless you do what she did. We're talking about signatures that don't match. We're talking about documents that don't really exist in reality meaning that they're uploaded, they exist, but they don't point to real people, real places, real money, real homes, except for real money transferred hands, you see. So the banks, the cartels, you've got to build that reality check to double down and confirm the proof, Lowell. Yeah, and uh, I was struck because the um, the cartels find that it works in, in Mexico, right? I mean, they run the government down there because they bribe, you know, through bribery and corruption, they... they are effectively in control of, of, of much of the government there. And so now they're exporting that concept to us right here and, and you know, to, to the state of Arizona. And apparently they're having great success because, I mean, she even mentioned that some of this bribery money was going to judges before they become judges. So you got these promising attorneys, these promising, you know, young uh, prosecuting attorneys, defense attorneys, whatever, who, who are uh, ripe, for uh, appointment to the bench, well, they start bribing them. They start giving them money, uh, and, and so that they will uh, issue favorable rulings once they receive their appointment on the bench. I mean, it is truly corrupting um, the state of Arizona, and and who and and she mentioned other states too, Indiana and Idaho, and um, uh, one other state that starts with an I, the letter I. Uh, and, you know, being involved in this, it's just mind-boggling, Sam. That this, well, the this only question left is who has more beachheads in control in America, the communist Chinese or the Mexican drug cartel, huh? <laughs> it's, a, it's a race for the turf, right? I mean, they're fighting for turf right here in, in our own state. So we need yeah, to Yeah, well, McCarthy back. just gives evidence of J6 dishonesty to Tucker as if we can trust Tucker. Remember, Tucker's the guy that publicly promoted election fraud because there was ratings in it, but behind the scenes criticized everybody who believed in and was willing to document voter election integrity issues, and he trashed them behind the scenes and didn't believe a word of it. Now it's all come out in court. Uh, so you can't trust Tucker. Lowell? No. Uh, no, I mean, he does bring some inf some great information to light from time to time. He brings enough for hand-wringing, never enough to throw people in prison, sir. Yeah, right. Well, and, you know, he's, he wouldn't 
last very long on Fox if he were, you know, hard hitting the, the same way you and, and others are in alternative. Uh, well, media. I'll, I'll hire him. He can come on Liberty Roundtable Live or Liberty News Radio and Loving Liberty Radio Networks and Brighty on Radio and all. We'll go ahead and make sure that he has a place if he wants to double down and, and hit hard for reals. The problem is he doesn't have the guts and all he's in it for is the money and the fame and the prestige. He's not in it to tell the truth and hold account. Yeah, well, it's a great point. I, I would love to see him um, be hard-hitting because he certainly has a lot of followership. But, you know, if he actually does begin to hit hard, then they'll, they'll, they'll drop him like a hot potato. There you have it. Sad but true. All right, that's enough of that. I just want to give you a chance to speak out on some of those hot, incredibly hot topics. Now, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, uh, says this. A must-watch. The Sheriff, a documentary put together by Chris Sanhall. Lowell? Uh, last Thursday evening, I went to a small theater here in American Fork, Utah, and watched this excellent documentary by Chris Ann Hall entitled The Sheriff. Uh, she described the origins of the word sheriff. You know, it comes from Shire Reef back in Old England in the you know, 11, 1200s. Uh, how the sheriff in those days was a weapon of the king, you know, like the sheriff of Nottingham would go and extract money from the people. Uh, he would call it taxes, but basically anything the people made, he would take and confiscate for the benefit of the king. But fortunately, the people did not tolerate that thievery uh, forever. They stood up against it. And, uh, the, and with the signing of the Magna Carta, they turned things around such that the sheriff became a protector of the people, not an instrument of tyranny. And this is, and she mentions this, you know, this is a major point of the documentary, how the sheriff used to be an instrument of, of terror and tyranny, and, and the people changed him to become their protector, meaning the sheriff is elected by the people, chosen by the people to, to protect them from the tyranny of a king. And, and so that's what the, the sheriff became then uh, over the centuries, and that's what it's supposed to be today. The sheriff swears an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States and to defend the Constitution of your state. He is not a hireling of the state. Now, this is a key point, Sam. The sheriff does not work for the governor. He does not work for the, um, the city council. He doesn't work for the county commission. He works for the people because he's elected by the people. And so he's not there simply to enforce the laws, you know, any, any laws passed by some legislative body, laws that violate our inalienable God-given rights. He is there to protect the people in their God-given rights, right? And, then, and so basically the first fourth or third of the, of the documentary talks about this this um, this institution of sheriff, the office of sheriff, and how it was a it was a, it was a bad thing at first. They was changed to become a good thing, and uh, it's very very uh, very good. Hey, can you skip the break for low real quick? All right, perfect. Go ahead, sir. Very good presentation about the sheriff, and and it mirrors much of the information that the the CSPOA has brought forth over the years. The Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association. Uh, the very thing that they have been teaching for years, this is it, it, this is brought forward in this documentary in a, in a nutshell, and it's so so good uh, to see this uh, brought out in the documentary. Richard Mack, in fact, has a 
as a, a short clip of him talking about the role of sheriff right in this documentary. Now then, uh, Chris Ann Hall highlights a couple of situations. Uh, they're, they're similar situations um, where a minister is told to shut down his church in the midst of the COVID slam, uh, pan, you know, so-called pandemic, right? I mean, this is where government with its heavy hand came along and said, okay, you churches, you're not essential, you gotta shut down. And, uh, and, and so she looks at two different cases. The first case is where um, the a weak sheriff, one who does not understand his proper role, basically a sheriff of Nottingham kind of sheriff, he fails to stand up for the rights of the minister to continue to, to preach on Sunday, to open his church to the homeless and to feed the, uh, the hungry and so forth. In the second situation, the sheriff is a good sheriff. He stands up for the right of the minister to hold church and even promised the minister that he would even that he would do so even if he ended up in jail for doing so. I mean, that's the, the guts of the sheriff. He says, I will do whatever it takes to protect your right to, to meet and to assemble and to hold church on Sundays. And this is religious freedom he's standing up for, one of the most dear freedoms we have. We lose that one, and they're all going to domino, and we lose it all. Uh, this is a quintessential liberty to defend. He's, he's spot on on this, Lowell. Absolutely right. And it was in this case where the state police were uh, uh, coercing the minister to shut his church. Um, the state police, of course, are employed by the governor. And so it, they, they even had a clip uh, showing when the state police came to the home of the minister to serve him, noticed that he, was, that he had to shut down. Um, the state policeman um, was very, um, what should we say, he wasn't bullying. He was saying, look, I have to do this. Uh, the governor says I have to serve you this notice. I'm sorry that I have to, but I have to. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was very apologetic. Yeah, but he doesn't have to because, remember, this is the sheriff's duty. When, you're, uh, when you swear an oath to defend the laws of the United States based on the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, and the state Constitution, when some bureaucrat, including a governor, decides to violate the law and force upon the people some type of mandate, edict, whatever you want to say, declaration, executive order, he's violated the legislative body. He's violated the courts as well. And the other two branches of government should rein him in. But if they don't, the sheriff should do so as well. And they say, no, the sheriff needs to obey the law. Not if it's a law that conflicts with the Supreme Law. At some point, the sheriff's got a decision to make. Will he back a mandate or will he back the Supreme Law? And that's really the quintessential point being made in the movie and the point that the CSPOA has made forever. Richard Mack went to the Supreme Court and won on that very point. So to those who say we're on legal shaky ground or we don't know what we're talking about, well, the courts agreed with us, not with the so-called uh, naysayers. So um, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, but it's a great movie. you got to watch it. Isn't it uh, very expensive to watch, though, Lowell? No, it's not. In fact, it was free. <laughs> no, I know, but, but I mean, if somebody wants to watch it now, where do they go? Where do they... Oh, 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 yeah. You can find it uh, on the Internet, I guess. You know, I didn't look. Um, I'm sure that it will be available uh, on Chris Ann Hall's site, uh, is my guess, and uh, hopefully many other sites. That's a great question. All right, I'll, I'll so we'll, we'll dig into that. Break. In the meantime, though, they got a bill. Uh, I guess uh, Mike Smith, our current sheriff, Lowell, is now uh, leader of the Utah Sheriff's Association. But now Mike Smith and a couple of legislators are trying to put a bill in place. A lot of people love it. I don't. We'll talk about it, sir.
Well, HJR 10, it's entitled Proposal to Amend the Utah Constitution to Include the Office of County Sheriff. Now, when he talked to our, our county party um, central committee on Saturday, just two days ago, he said that uh, basically there is a movement in, in a number of states in the country to eliminate the Office of Sheriff or to at least um, clip their wings so that they all they do is, is is handle the jail and then handle the courts, right? They don't want them out and about uh, the public uh, uh, protecting the people. And so our our you know Sheriff Mike Smith stood up against that, and he says the association stood up against that, and they want to put into the Constitution the office of of county sheriff to guarantee. Uh, for in perpetuity that we have a sheriff in every county in the state of Utah. So that's what he said, and that is the purported intent of HJR 10. It sailed through the uh, House, it sailed through the Senate, and um, in all likelihood it will be on the ballot in 2000, November of 2024 for the people to consider as an amendment to the Utah Constitution. What it says is very simple, three sentences long. It says, quote, each county shall have an office of county sheriff. The office of county sheriff is an elected office. The term of office shall be four years from the first day of January next after their election, end quote. Now, uh, you know, so ostensibly putting this office into the Constitution helps to safeguard it for us, the people. And, um, and, and so now I'm interested in hearing why you um, don't like this, Sam. Yeah, so let's think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Everything in America is built on checks and balances. Remember that, all right? And what this does is it takes away a check and balance. Right now, who does the sheriff answer to? People. All right, now they say, don't worry. Uh, read the language of this bill really quick. Read the very first line. Well, um, let me bring up the bill. The it's, very first uh, line basically says, hey, this creates the office of a sheriff. Yep. Wait a minute, man. We've had a sheriff's offices, 29 of them, for literally since what? When did we become a state? Late 1800s, 1895 range? So we've already had the office of a sheriff. Why do we need to create one? You want me to give you the answer? Because right yeah. now, uh, that sheriff precedes the government and answers to the supreme law of the land in his oath and to the state constitution in his oath. But yet he's elected outside of that framework by the people. You go ahead and create a new government office. You now create a new sheriff who answers to the governor, who answers to the state legislative body, who now doesn't have any accountability to his county or to those people who elect him. Because if you don't obey sheriff, we'll just dissolve your office. Or if we don't like what you do, sheriff, we'll minimize your abilities. Right now, there's no authority to minimize the sheriff because it's not defined. It's intentionally left outside for a check and balance. It's one of the great unknown checks and balances America doesn't realize. And you put this under the governorship, and now you've lost the battle. Because what's the difference in that versus a, 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 a police officer elected by the mayor? This will be created or by the governor, right? Well, let's go back and read that. The first line doesn't say it shall be created. It says each county shall have an office of county sheriff, right? So that's just putting into words what already exists. Read what it says? That, yeah, each county shall have an office of county sheriff, period. Okay, so if I say, hold on, if you already have something, then mm -hmm. you don't decide if I shall or shall not, right? Mm -hmm. But if you say now I shall, I can eventually say you shall not, right? 
if they t- took it out of the Constitution, I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, but, so that's all you got to do. Or now we say if you shall have this office, now then I shall reduce the scope of this office over time as well, right? If it, yeah, if it's in you the You see, you give authority to the state that they have not got now. Yeah, well, we have to be careful there because, I mean, just the, the Constitution, in the Declaration of Rights, you know, the first section of the Constitution talks about the right of the people, you know, to, to, uh, to due process, for example. And so, by according to that argument, Sam, if you put that into the Constitution, then they could also take it out of the Constitution and deny you the right of due process. So, I mean, you got to have it somewhere, right? I mean, that's the value of having Why? the state Hold Constitution. on. Why? We've gone 150-plus years without it. Why do we got to have it now? Well, because we're losing the office. The, the, the county of Salt Lake here in Utah... Uh, it doesn't have no, so the people in the county the people in the county did not defend the god ordained reality and they're losing their right of a sheriff that's true but is it the people of the county's fault or is it the government's fault and do you expect bureaucrats to defend it better than the people well the county commission in salt lake is the ones who changed the 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 office of sheriff in the salt lake county because but but if this line had been in the constitution they wouldn't have been able to do that because no, just the governor would. No, no, the governor can't do it. Uh, you know, if it's in the Constitution, see, the Constitution is written by the people. We have the sovereignty. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have... define the scope of the sheriff. It just says it's... now the government controls the sheriff because it's a newly government-created office. Otherwise, down the road, then, they'll start to define the sheriff's role. Perhaps. Well, I mean, but in the Constitution, right, I mean, they, they're, they're pretty vague. The Constitution remains vague purpose on purpose because they don't want to, to have to write the details there uh, you know and, and so i i think that's probably something we can hang our hat on if it's in the constitution don't you feel more safe that the, the, the office of sheriff is going to stay around forever no i don't in fact i feel less safe because again mm. it changes it now right now it's county by county you got 29 different districts what you want to do is change that to be one to make the decisions and that one is further from the people and shown to abuse the constitutions of both since their inception. So I trust the what people you... on the local level in all 29 counties more. Yes, one county's gone south. Let that be a lesson and have those people in that county decide to reverse course based on the other 28 great examples across the state. Uh, but you take that 29 and move it further from the people into one head, and I'm telling you, you'll, you'll rule, you will rule the day that you yeah, do Yeah, now what... What moves that into one head, though? Basically, we're just writing it into the Constitution. That doesn't say that it's subservient to the governor. It doesn't say it's subservient to the bureaucrats. It just says the county's got to have, an, got, got to have a sheriff. The county already has one. And, and, but Salt Lake doesn't. Yeah, they do. They've just diminished, diminished, diminished the scope of the sheriff. Yeah, yeah. I guess that he, he, yeah, he, he is the sheriff in... in in uh, by name but he doesn't have yep. the power so the county the can bring it back but the other 28 have been safe from that abuse mm-hmm. now those other cool. 28 will be under the uh, thumb of uh the the people who decide i'm telling you right now legislative bill after bill will eventually destroy the office of the sheriff if you let this happen right now the sheriffs can thumb their nose and say i don't answer to you governor i don't answer to you so and so i answer to my 
local branches of government to my DA. I answer to my legislative body at the, at the county level. But you're going to take 29 counties and put them all under one great legislative head with a governor who will then, through executive order, continue to minimize the sheriff's scope and authority. I say this is dangerous. Uh, well, and let me give you another argument in your favor, <laughs> and that is this. The bill sponsors were House leadership and Senate leadership. you got the Speaker of the House, Brad Wilson. You've got the Senate President, Stuart Adams. Typically, those guys do not support liberty-oriented um, legislation. So, so there yeah. is a gargantuan red flag along with one of the most liberal sheriffs in the state in Utah County. Isn't that interesting? The second largest county in Utah wants this. By these bureaucrats and the sheriff. Do the people want it? Well, I'll, I'll give you a quick reality check in seconds on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. The National Transportation Safety Board says a plane that crashed in northern Nevada over the weekend may have broken into pieces before it hit the ground. Vice Chairman Bruce Landsberg says investigators are still determining the cause of the crash that killed five people just minutes after taking off from Reno, Nevada, en route to Salt Lake City, Utah. The radar track and all of the radio communications with air traffic control were absolutely normal. There was no distress call. Seven tornadoes were reported overnight in Oklahoma, knocking out power to tens of thousands of homes. Severe weather and excessive rainfall continue in the Midwest today. Heavy snow across the California mountain ranges, below average temperatures in the west and above average temperatures in the east. Snow and ice are expected across the upper Midwest, Great Lakes, and northeast today. The Internal Revenue Service extends the tax deadline in California. The Internal Revenue Service has extended the 2022 tax filing deadline to October 16th for people in storm disaster areas of California. The extension applies to people living in counties where the disaster has been declared by FEMA. This includes individual income tax returns, various business returns, and the filings of tax-exempt organizations, normally due on May 15th. Among other things, this means that eligible taxpayers will also have until October 16th to make 2022 contributions to their IRAs and health savings accounts. I'm Julio Flores. Just seconds away from liftoff at Kennedy Space Center in Florida very early Monday morning, NASA and SpaceX canceled the Crew-6 launch to the International Space Station due to an issue with the Falcon 9 rocket's engine ignition system. More will be known later today. The death toll is climbing after a boat carrying migrants off the coast of Italy breaks up in rough seas this morning. Afghans, Pakistanis, and Iraqis were attempting to seek asylum in the European Union. This is USA News. Attention, small business owners. This could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the Employee Retention Credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. 
The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com. All right, a hot topic on your radio, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. We're talking about sheriffs. And Mike Smith, the second largest county in the state of Utah, is pushing for this. You got two, um, they say this, Smith and the Utah Sheriff's Association worked with House Speaker Brad Wilson and Senate President Stuart Adams to sponsor HJR 10, the proposal to amend Utah's constitution, election of county sheriffs. Now, I find it fascinating that the people aren't asking for this at all. But yet, they don't have authority to make this change, but they want to go to the people to obtain authority to make this change. Why are they even worried about it? Who brought it up? What's their agenda? What do they hope to gain? Do you really think that these bureaucrats um, really have something to gain here, or do you think we the people have something to gain? We haven't been worried about it as the people for 150-plus years. Well, I think it's incumbent on us, Sam, the people, we need to, I mean, if it's going to go into our Constitution, then we need to, to make sure that we we defend it uh, and, and be more, much, much, more, much more acquainted with our Constitution. I mean, one of the failings we have as liberty-minded people is that we, we, we always point to the U.S. Constitution, but we rarely point to the state Constitution. When in reality, I think our liberties are better protected by our state constitutions than they are the U.S. Constitution. In fact, the Bill of Rights was never intended to be applied to the states. That came along 50 years after the passage of the so-called passage, which was actually illegal passed, illegally passed, the 14th Amendment. 50 years after that amendment came along, the Supreme Court came up with this idea of incorporation. They call it the incorporation doctrine, where they where the Bill of Rights is incorporated and, and, and enforced on the states. And this has given the general government veto power over whatever a state decides. And it, it's, it's wrong-headed, it's anti-federalist, and it's, you know, it, it's bad news. So we need to resort to the state constitutions far more often than we, than we have been doing. And, you know, I, 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 I think I understand where you're coming from on this, Sam, and, and, and I just hope that um, the people will defend the office of sheriff, whether it's in the Constitution or not, uh, will defend the office Amen of the sheriff. Amen to that. Now, but by the way, Richard Mack, yeah. Sheriff Mack and others agree with you on this bill and agree with these uh, legislative bureaucrats. Uh, they agree with you on it. They think it's a good thing and we need to codify it and it'll protect the office of the sheriff. Uh, I, don't, I don't personally see it that way. Uh, again, when you have a bureaucrat-led and these bureaucrats have never been for our cause before, uh, uh, pushing for something and then asking the people to, on the back end, hey, you got to do this because we don't have authority. Give us more authority. Give us authority to do that. Give us authority. Um, I can tell you right now, um, you will wish you hadn't done it. But I, I can't convince anybody. Uh, everybody's going to go along and do it, and then later we'll be discussing this in 10 years, and we'll see how strong the sheriff is in 10 years. <laughs> okay. Because it looks like it's going to happen. It's got like co-sponsored by almost everybody in the legislature, and oh, and that should tell you that should warn you as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really and, good for the people that you have that much support for it. Nothing that's really good for the people gets that much support, right? 
<laughs> well, yeah, probably right. I mean, in, there are some cases when something is so obvious yeah, that it's a good thing. But you've thought about this far more deeply than I have, Sam. I mean, I I just saw that and, and shouted yeah, Yahoo, didn't give it a second thought, but you've caused me to begin thinking about it, and that's a good thing. So, um, yeah, I, I might withdraw my support for it. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Mike Smith hasn't been our friend and hasn't done what's right either. He won't even really meet with the people hardly unless it's under very controlled uh, circumstances. I'll see if he'll come on the radio with me and debate this with me. How's that? Yeah, that would be great. Nickel Sheriff Mike Smith has the guts to come on the radio and uh, debate this with Sam Bushman? <laughs> yeah, he he might. He might do that. All right. We'll, we'll see if he will. I'll let, I'll let you know what happens. Okay. There's a couple of other bills we got to highlight, though, as well, Lowell. Yeah, yeah, real quickly, we don't spend, need to spend a lot of time on this, but there's a Senate Bill 171 entitled Health Care Practitioner Liability Amendment. Now, this is a, a, a bill that would give doctors the freedom to heal people rather than being confined solely to the accepted standard of care promulgated by the CDC, the WHO, and who knows who else, right? Basically, this bill would prohibit the Division of Professional Licensing from sanctioning a health care provider's license when they deviate from the medical norms or established practices uh, of the industry, right? So basically, folks, it, if a doctor helps a patient to heal using ivermectin or, or hydroxychloroquine, then, then he can continue to do that in Utah without the backlash or without the risk of losing his license to practice medicine. I mean, that's basically, they've been under the thumb of big medicine, most of our doctors in this state, who have been hesitant to speak out in favor of, like, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or alternative, you know, get, get some sunshine, get some zinc, you know, some of the, all, the natural remedies uh, for COVID. They've been reticent to speak out because they, they, they fear that they will lose their license to practice. They, you know, if they spend all this money, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get educated to become a doctor, and then they're under the thumb of big medicine, and if they ever do anything or speak, uh, say anything that, that contravenes what big medicine says is the right way to, to care for some condition, they could lose their license. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's a bad deal, and this bill, I think, takes us one step in the right direction where um, it prohibits the professional licensing uh, board from sanctioning a doctor who deviates from the medical norms. So I, I like it. Um, it has strong support in the Senate, and it is now in the House for their consideration. Sam? Yes, sir. Really quick. I was leaving a message. Uh, I tried to call uh, Mike's office, Sheriff Smith. Mm -hmm. Of course, he's not in this morning, don't you know? Uh, and so then I uh, tried to talk to the lady, and I said, I'll leave a voicemail. She said, oh, I'll just take the message. So I started explaining to her. Who I was. She goes, wait, hold on. Let me let you send that to voicemail. I said, that's what I thought. Anyway, so then I'm leaving the voicemail right as you came to me. Uh, so we'll see oh. <laughs> what his response will be. But I wanted to make sure we got that done uh, on the good, radio. Good. With regards to this unique bill you know, there's so many bills that it's gotten to where I'm almost just ready to say no to everything all the time, even if it's good. Because I just find that, you know what, it's so iffy. you got to study everything till the cows come home, right? Health practitioner liability amendments. 
but I just find that it's it's always a two-edged sword. You always think something's good, and before you know it, there's flies in the ointment and everything else. It's almost better to vote no every time, Lol. <laughs> yeah. You could be wrong yeah, on well, occasion, but will you be right more than you're wrong if you do that? Uh, no, yep. But the odds say you'll be right most of the time. You vote no on all the bills. But, I mean, take the, 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 the right to, National Right to Work Act, for example. Um, basically, that's a bill that would eliminate the... Um, the ability of, of unions, right? I mean, basically, it, it removes a whole section of code from U.S. code. And so occasionally, you know, that's something that Mark Roberts did when he was in the legislature. Every session, he introduced a bill that eliminated some aspect of licensure, you know, from the state of Utah. You remember, like, uh, he did it for cows. If you own a cow, you can sell the milk. I mean, that was a good thing. He did it for beekeepers. If you own bees, you don't have to register your bee hives with the state, I and mean, that was a good thing. So, I mean, not all bills yeah, are bad. Yeah, I guess I, I, I agree, but I guess what I'm saying is this. Who already has authority to control bees or what you do with your honey or cows? See, they have no authority, and we want to codify with another bill saying, oh, you don't have the authority. But then that becomes a double-edged sword later down the line, see? Yeah. Uh, eventually, we're ruling by edict and by legislative reality, not by fundamental rights and God-ordained constitutional realities. And if you're not very careful, you get 56 steps away from the real intent, and you say, well, they gave authority here, but they didn't here. Now we reverse that authority there. Uh, it reminds me of the 17th Amendment a lot. In other mm-hmm. words, hey, let's just disable a check and balance there. Uh, and, and if we're not very careful, what we do is we rule by uh, regulation. We rule by uh, the the negative instead of the positive. Or, in other words, of course it's a God-given, ordained right, an alienable right. Uh, to now we're going to debate the details of the privilege. And if we're not very careful. So I appreciate what you're saying, and I appreciate these bills, and temporarily they sound great. In the long term, I'm not so sure. Because at some point you say, well, if they can regulate and force permission or non-permission for this and that they can for the other three gazillion things in the, in the world i kind of yeah, like the lord's so, idea of we've got 10 commandments and you know what we just don't need more <laughs> right <laughs> that's right well in the case of you know mark roberts's bills he would actually strike from the code whole sections of the code and that was a good thing because that takes it that that removes you know regulation from the, the state code that's a good thing but like in this case, it probably it, you know is an amendment of existing code. So you're not striking any of the code; you're just amending existing code, and that is still prone to problems in the future, just as you have described. But you do stand for this bill, though, for the reasons you've highlighted, right? That's right. Yep. All right, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, I'm not here to argue about the bills uh, with Lowell. I'm here to have you think through them. It's SB 171, Utah. HB 131, vaccine passport prohibition coming up in seconds with Lowell Nelson. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. 
They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present day church. Rather, it is for the end time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Vaccine passport prohibition. Where are we sitting on this one of the great state of Utah, Lowell? We discussed this bill before. It's the one that prohibits the use of an individual's immunity status or COVID jab status, you know, by places of public accommodation, government entities, and employers, right? So basically, you're, uh, th- with this bill comes the, the notion that your employer cannot, you know, uh, force you to take the jab. The government entity cannot force you to take the jab, and in and, and a public a place of public accommodation like you know Smiths or uh, you know Lowe's or, or some Home Depot you know place that you know the accommodates the public, they cannot force you to, to like wear a mask or take the jab in order to shop with them. So you know that's basically it, it prohibits pass, uh, vaccine passports in the state of Utah, and um, you know hopefully uh, this will protect us against future pandemics when the bureaucrats from the, the WHO, the World Health Organization, come down and say, you know, we've we got to have these vaccine passports in order to, to live, to conduct business. Well, yep. hopefully and we've got we these discussions again, too, if I have a private business and I want to demand that you have a passport, and do I have that right to demand whatever I want in my business? See, we get it, it's very debatable fast. And, and Lowell and I have actually had this discussion before to where that is a great concern. But you folks just have to decide whether you're for or against these bills. Listen to all the arguments is what I recommend and make up your own mind. Utah HB 529 is next, Lowell. Food shopping history requirements. Uh, it's a horrible bill. Uh, uh, it received very narrow, narrow approval in the House committee last week. It will be considered by the whole House this week. But basically, this bill would allow the Department of Health and Human Services and local health departments to obtain uh, your shopping history, you know, if, if the store keeps such a history and if the customer consents, right, So, and if you consent. So in other words, the purpose of the bill is like you buy something from a grocery store and you get sick, then the health department wants to know everybody else who bought that same product from that store so they can warn them that they might get sick too, <laughs> right? So it sounds, sounds good on the surface, right? But the, the problem with this is that, you know, we're, we're divulging information to the government about your purchases. And so they're going to know, you know, they would know if, if you know, everything you bought there at the store, they would, you know, and, and in this age when the environmental social governance age, the ESG scores, the social credit scoring and so forth, is becoming more and more popular, um, you're not going to want the government knowing how you spend your money because they might say, well, he buys Twinkies, so we're going to drop his credit score, so he's going to have to be less free to do what he wants to do because he buys Twinkies, right? I mean, that's that's where we're going with this type of a bill. 
Yeah, and to so, my to my point is if we never let government get control of our food discussions in the first place, we wouldn't be debating a downstream discussion like this. It would be simply like, what are you talking about? You've never had control of our food, and you never will. But that's mm-hmm. where we're getting in the seventh and final week of our state legislator here in U- legislative session in Utah. Uh, it'll end this Friday night by midnight, and thank the heavens. Lol. <laughs> it is frenetic. In, these, in fact, this is the most dangerous week of the legislative session, Sam, because – there's so many bills flying at these legislators. They're overwhelmed. Basically, they're overwhelmed, and 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 they're now voting yes to bills. They don't know what the bills say, and uh, there's a whole bunch of mischief that happened just last week. But thankfully, it'll be over Friday at midnight, and then we can relax again until you know next year at this time. Yeah, if we just stick with the two great commandments, the Ten Commandments, and just leave 12 rules, and we don't need a whole lot more rules than that, ladies and gentlemen, would be in a whole lot better space. Trust you, me, write it down, and remember who told you first. <laughs> Vladimir Putin says forgive them, for they know not what they do. Very fascinating quote from the, uh, what do you call it, communist leader there, Lowell? That's right. He speaks to his people just like the State of the Union address, you know, Biden speaks to us, right? And so you can't believe a word they say. <clears throat> you know, you can't believe Biden. You can't believe Putin. But I just thought it was really interesting, this one snippet from his, his address, the State of, State of, uh, the State of Russia address, um, I, because he's, he's talking about, I think he's talking about us. I couldn't tell from the context of this column, but this is what he says, Sam. Let me just tell you what Putin said in his talk, and you tell me whether this describes us here in America or not, okay? He says this, quote, They lie constantly. They pervert historical facts and attack our culture constantly. The Russian Orthodox Church and other religious organizations in our country. See what they do with their own peoples, the destruction of the family, cultural and national identity. Perversion, mockery of children, and pedophilia are declared the norm, the norm of their life, and priests are forced to bless same-sex marriages. God be with them. Let them do what they want. What do I mean by this? Adults have the right to live as they want, as we always thought like this in Russia, and we always will. No one will invade private life. We are not going to do this. But I want to tell them, look at the Holy Scriptures, the main books of all the other world religions. Everything is said there, including that the family is the union of a man and a woman. But these sacred texts are now in doubt. For example, it was just reported that the Angelican Church plans to consider the idea of a gender-neutral God. What can we say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Millions of people in the West understand that they are headed towards a real spiritual disaster. The elites have gone crazy, and it seems that they are untreatable. But, as I said... These are their problems, and we must protect our children, and we will do this. We will protect our children from degradation and degeneration. End of quote. Wow. What do you think about that, Sam? I think the pros in many ways sound great, but I 
happen to agree with Joel Skousen on this, that you know what? These communist leaders have learned that rather than forcing communism down our throats, all they got to do is feign that they're our friend, point to God, point to family, point to country, and make you believe that they genuinely uh, believe in the principles that you and I do. But trust you me, they uh, kowtow to our principles when they don't have the upper hand. Once they get the upper hand, though, they jettison those principles now, and they use their real agenda against us. It's like that snake that you pick up that bites you, and then why did you bite me? You knew who I was, and you knew what I've done. Look, this is a communist leader. He's been so forever, and he's talking about God to make us feel good and back Russia when right now America is at war with Russia, sadly so. I don't think we should be at war with Russia, but I also don't believe we should believe in the propaganda of these people. Uh, why doesn't Russia go ahead and just embrace the supreme law of the land and create the Constitution then? Uh, you know, so all I'm telling you is it, it sounds good, and I don't disagree with the pros very much, but I'm telling you, I'll beware of the snake, sir. <laughs> My thoughts exactly. Them. I don't trust any of these world leaders like Putin. Uh, he's killed too many people and harmed the lives and uh, uh, too many families to trust him. But I just thought it was interesting his description of uh, the West. You know, I, I think he does describe Americans quite well in his speech. But uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to go embrace him and and uh, you know, I hope for the best. But you know, he's a snake, just like you said, Sam. All right, we've got a final uh, column that's great from one of your favorite authors, Lowell. Gary D. Barnett, sorry, Gary D. Barnett of Montana. His article published last week at LouRockwell.com is entitled The Relationship Between the American People and Its Evil Government is the Epitome of Mass Stockholm Syndrome. That's the title of his, of his column. Now, as you know, Sam, Stockholm Syndrome is a psychological phenomenon usually attributed to a person or, or a group of people who have been taken hostage. Uh, and, and during the time that they're held hostage, they become sympathetic and attached to their captor to such an extent they form a bond, they form a devotion, they form a loyalty to their captor. That's Stockholm Syndrome, right? Now, Barnett says this is a mental affliction. It's a mental cowardice that can only lead servitude. And so this is what he writes. He says this, quote, while more and more seem to be questioning things as a rule, they are doing little, if anything, of value to stop the state's assault on their freedom. Talking the talk and walking the walk are two different animals. And begging your government masters to grant you redress is akin to a slave begging his owner to not treat him like a slave. End of quote. You know, and this harks back, Sam, to our subject at the beginning of the hour where we discussed the office of sheriff, right? We need a sheriff who's willing to stand up against tyranny. And a good sheriff needs strong people who will support him in standing up against that tyranny. We can't just talk about, you know, the problems we have and the freedoms we're losing. We have to stand up in defense of those freedoms if we ever hope to to. to preserve them. And so that's why we need good sheriffs. We need good people supporting good sheriffs who will stand up like is portrayed in, in Chris Ann Hall's film, this good sheriff who stood with the minister in his community and said, you can stay open and I will make sure that you don't get arrested because, you know, by the state police just because you're um, uh, preaching on Sundays. Um, so it, it, that's the value of a good sheriff. Um, continuing on, Barnett writes this. He says, quote, 
I do appreciate any effort to combat the state, but minor protests, carrying signs, writing letters to evil, murderous congressmen, voting for rulers to lord over you, and complying with tyrannical orders will never get the job done. A full negation of government is necessary. An avoidance, not of the real solution in favor of feigned resistance, but avoidance of all government demands is necessary if any freedom of the people is to be expected. This means that individuals in mosques must act and peacefully unless attacked and never bow to any state insistence to follow orders, end quote. So what we need there, Sam, is we need wise courage and lots of it. You know, we're on the verge of becoming a slave society, and most people do not realize it, <laughs> of course, which reminds me of that saying, no one is more hopelessly enslaved than he who thinks he is free. Uh, Sam, I, th I think that's where we are Amen. today. I think most people think we're free. And, I agree. Um, and I, I think the end line of his column really says it all, Lowell. That is this. He says, uh, what in the world will it take for you all to open your eyes to this obvious assault on your lives? That's that's his final question of his of the column, Sam. And boy, and howdy, is that spot one. on, sir? Oh man, you know I look at all the the things that are happening around us, and I just think, man alive, how is it that we haven't awakened to our awful situation? I mean, a lot of people have. I I, I go to meetings nowadays. I don't know most of the people at the Liberty meetings, and that's a good thing because that tells me the more people are waking up to our awful situation. But we need, they need education. They need to hear from Sam Bushman. They need to hear from the Constitutional, uh, uh, Sheriff, and, uh, Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association. They need to hear real liberty spoken to them in hard-hitting terms if we ever hope to save the liberty, what, what liberty remains to us uh, to preserve, and then to reclaim those liberties that we have lost. We need courage. We need wisdom, we need education, and we need it fast, Sam. My response is very, very simple, Lowell. Whether you agree with Sam or you agree with Lowell, sometimes we don't always see eye to eye perfectly. Realize that it's not one's smarter than the other, one's better than the other, one's right, one's wrong. We're all trying to vet this stuff together as Americans, and you need to listen to all the arguments, make up your own mind, and we the people need to come together for the best solutions. That's the genius of this great country. We need to turn to God, family, and country to get it done, ladies and gentlemen. And we can do that only if we learn, educate ourselves, get on our knees and pray for God's guidance, and then get up and commit to promote God, family, and country. And so, you know, I don't mind these on-the-air discussions where there's difference of viewpoints, because I think we all learn and grow when we do that. Lowell, thank you so much, sir. You're welcome, Sam. It's been my pleasure. LibertyRoundtable.com. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. <laughs>